Do you want to become biz besties with your email list? Do you want to fall in love with your list? And do you want to make sure that you're writing emails and jolting subscribers into taking action without coming across like a weirdo or somebody desperate? That in fact, you are building an amazing engaged list that is totally right for growing your business. Well, I am super thrilled to finally talk about this topic on the Untapped podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this Untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. Kate Doster is the host of the Inbox Besties podcast. She's the creator of the Love Your List 2.0 email marketing mega course, and she's dangerously obsessed with helping ethical entrepreneurs carve out their slice of the interwebs. She helps her students woo open the hearts and wallets of their small but mighty audience thanks to fun email marketing and easy yes mini offers. And she believes you don't need to bleed the alphabet or be a dirty, rotten spam face to write emails that jolt subscribers into taking action, gobbling up your paid offers like candy or kale, if that's your thing. In this episode, we, oh my gosh, Kate just rocked it. Like she is so generous with her knowledge. We talked about why focusing on list growth could be hurting your business. We also talked about the power of a freebie and a welcome sequence, which I know you are going to love. We talked all about how not to spam your audience, but instead serve them. And we dipped into all sorts of tactics that are working right now for people to grow their list, even when you were just starting out. So I know you are going to love this one. Let's go. Kate Doster, welcome to the Untapped Podcast. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited for you to be here and especially our conversation today on one of my favorite mm. topics and the topic that seems to baffle and mystify so many entrepreneurs. So I'm really looking forward to diving into email marketing. But first, I would love for you to tell the listeners how you get paid to be you. Sure. So I get paid primarily through courses and digital products. I do have one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I don't advertise it because it's always full. So I figure what's the point of having that wait list. So those are the ways that I get paid. My main courses that I have, I have a big one about email marketing. It's called Love Your List. I have some template sets called Email Marketing Fairy. I have one about Trello. We have one about doing free bundles to grow your list. So all sorts of things. My mission, just like yours, to put money in the hands of good people to do good with it. And people tend to struggle with sales and writing and mindset. So we do all three. I love that. I also love how themed that is and how everything, even just what you said, is all about email list building, growth, and sharing and adding value. So the reason I say that is I think I'm more and more fascinated these days into how people are splitting or diversifying their time or whether they're going all in on one topic, one framework, one area of expertise, which I do feel, quite honestly, just from looking at the success of others and thinking about my own journey, 
it's just so much easier when you have one focus, isn't it? <laughs> Every product, course, service that comes out of it is all related to the one thing that you get known for and allows you to position yourself as that go-to person. So I'd love to go back to the start of your journey. How did you become this go-to person for people loving their list? Sure. So I started as a copywriter with a W. So that means I got paid to write words that made people hit buttons on the internet. And as a copywriter, <laughs> you can write a variety of things about pages, which I'll never write again, home pages. So that's considered web copy. You can do long form sales pages, which is fine. I never mind that. But I loved writing email sequences. I loved landing pages. I loved launch sequences because I feel like you can just be so much of yourself. And at the time when I was writing for others, I could be so much of their voice. They can like let it loose a little bit, actually connect with people. I mean, think about it on Instagram. You probably follow at least 500, a thousand people. You think nothing of it. Are you following like 5,000 people's newsletters? No, you're really selective about who you're allowing in your inbox. And so I just thought that that was just the best. And Mm -hmm. like most people, when they're service providers, you get to a point where it's like, I know I'm like my own boss, but I'm like not because I've got all these clients. So I was just like, let's just burn it down and sell courses. And it wasn't like we burned off our clients. Obviously I left on good terms, but like I didn't build up my audience in the right way to solely do courses and digital products. Because when you're a service provider, your list is really small. You're usually booked up. It's a lot of word of mouth reference. So it's like, there was a couple months where it was like, what did I do? (laughs) This was a bad move, but we studied the course and it worked out in the end. I love that you took the plunge. And as you said, you sort of burned those bridges, not burned the relationship, but burned the bridges, started afresh, which is gutsy and ballsy and lady balls right there, as my friend would Mm -hmm. say. But how long were you a copywriter for out of interest? So it was, I always thought that it was 2016, but I went and I actually looked the other day. So it was late 2015 (laughs) to 2018. And then 2018 when like February came around and I was wrapped up with that last client, I just never went out and found more clients. I was like, no, I am all going with courses and I'll do some coaching if I have to, but like, I'm done though. Of course I had to sneak in one copywriting client <laughs> at one point in there, but still, yeah. so that's what we did. Cause my background is in communication and psychology. And I didn't know copywriting mm. was a thing. I'm like, what? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> like I did not have a background in marketing. It was because you've been around for a while. Facebook groups were like the super huge heyday back in like the 2015s, 2016s. And so people would like post their landing pages or they'd post their sales pages and they post these things and they'd be like, can somebody look at it? And stuff was just got awful. And so like, I'd be like in there, I'm like, I would say it this way. I would do that. I was always really creative. And then somebody was like, you should really look into being an actual like copywriter. And I was like, what's that? So then I had to like Google it and I just fell in love. That's so awesome. I love that. And that your background was comms and psychology, because that seems like a perfect intersection for what great copywriting really is. It is understanding the psyche and the way in which people think and how to convince them or communicate with them in a way that really relates to them. Did you do any specific training? I'd just be curious for people who are listening, like how you fell into this. Did you do any upskilling, any certifications, or did you just kind of like take your natural talents and start running with it? Sure. I would say that if I had found behavioral psychology, like the Freakonomics radio, I would have done that. So Mm. for copywriting, I took courses. I took the copy hacker courses. I think copy school, it was like 
brand new. So like I got it like the best price ever and like all their stuff. And like, I love Joe and I love uh, Ryan Schwartz. He's also a teacher in there. And like, it was just fantastic. The thing that I did because I needed to build up my confidence muscle. And I know that you help a lot in your 10 K group as well. I actually was an apprentice under a different copywriter. So I found a copywriter. I was a junior copywriter just so I could get that confidence muscle. And I feel like I was really fortunate because not only did she have a wide variety of clients, so I didn't have to go out and get my own, but she literally made time to be like, here's why we changed it this way. Or like, even if she didn't have time to like create me a video and be like, this is why I changed her stuff. She would always send the final draft to me. So that way I could be like, oh, this is how we did it or that. And so for me, I needed that confidence muscle. And she was always really keen on me getting my own clients as well, as long as I could do both work. So 100% copy hackers and then being a junior copywriter. I love that. And I totally love that you did that too, because I think there's philosophy. No, it's not quite the right word. There's a bit of a trend behind people who try and figure something out by themselves and then teach it, which I'm all for, because I do think as you're learning things, if you grasp them and you can teach them really well, please go forth and teach others. But there's also this other trend happening where people are like, oh, I did this once. I'm now going to position myself as the go-to person who did this. And it (laughs) is a little frustrating. I have a lot of people who are close to me who do that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if you've put in your time yet. I love people who take the jump, but I do feel you've got to have that experience and you've got to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I love that you upskilled, that you were an apprentice, that you really dug in and you got all that great learning experience and applied it and then got your clients and then built your business and then dropped it all (laughs) to do the digital course business, which of course I'm a huge fan of. So good on you for making that move. But also, I just really wanted to highlight that for people who are listening. Maybe it doesn't have to be years. You transitioned quite quickly, late 2015 into 2018 for the course business, but you'd already had several years experience under your belt in your own business and as an apprentice and all your Mm -hmm. previous background. So awesome. (laughs) Like I always say, I met somebody that got lucky on Pinterest or with a viral YouTube video. I'm like, this is what I did. Like, this is why my students get results because- those not to say that there's bad about other entrepreneurs, but it's like they had luck and numbers. It's like, mm-hmm. if you have 50,000 people and you can't convert 1% of those people, you're awful. But if <laughs> I can make a hundred times what you have with a list, the 10th of the size, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And actually that's a perfect point to start off from on the list conversation. I'm so excited about this because it does seem to just strike fear into the hearts of so many people. It seems to be this mysterious thing and people are constantly wondering about how big should my list be? How often should I email them? How do I convert them? What should I be to all the things? So without giving away everything that you probably cover in your course, I'd love to go through some of the basics today and namely with how you started your own list. When did you start Mm. that? Because I know for me, I left it for six months. I didn't have any way that people could join the list. It was such an oversight and such a rookie era back then. And I'm sure there are other people making that mistake. So what was your sort of list building journey that got you into loving this whole area? So when I was a service provider, which is, this is the really ironic part, even though I wrote web copy just for a little bit, and then I switched to launch copy, my website was a landing page with like 50 magical words to add to flip the buyer switch or something like that. So I had that for a while, (laughs) right? When I was a copywriter, because again, you don't need that many clients because copywriters, we're a different breed because we're so high in demand. Your goal as a copywriter is to find other copywriter friends because you get so many referrals. You're like, I just need places Mm -hmm. for people to go. So 
we're very like loving community. There's really no competition, which is super awesome. At least the people I hung around in. So that was just sort of the first thing. But again, I didn't focus on list building that much because I already had more than enough people to hang on to. Then back in the day when I decided to start growing my email list, I had done Pinterest, even though Pinterest, like you get a lot more traffic than you can now with a lot less strategy. It was still just way too slow for my liking. So I went the collaboration route because it's like you either got ads or you got collaboration. And at the time I wasn't confident in like how much money I was bringing in because my main revenue source was just like, it was chopped in half. And there's a whole another mindset issue too, Mm -hmm. when it came to pricing my courses too. And they were definitely underpriced, which I know you talk about pricing what you're worth. They were not. (laughs) So (laughs) I did a free bundle. So that's where you get some other collaborators for like a week or two weeks. You give away some really premium gifts for free. So we always call it like tripwire or better. So that like just sort of exploded the list. I would go onto podcasts. I would just get out in front of as many other people's audiences. Cause I think that it comes down to knowing your strength, even being a copywriter, writing guest blog posts would just take me too long. But I knew if I could get in front of somebody else's audience that I could win them over. Hmm. Cause I like to think I'm a pretty good interview and I like to think I'm pretty entertaining. So podcast, um, being brave enough, just like you talk about in your book for second princess, like being brave enough to just like, Hey, could I like I know in your program, you teach X, but people really struggle with Y. Would you mind if I come in to do a free workshop on it? I'm not going to pitch anything. I won't even talk about my freebie. It's just something that you can offer in your course. So a lot of those. And then of course, everyone always be like, oh no, you could tell them about a freebie at the end. And so that's how I went with organic was just collaboration to the sky. I love it. And it's exactly what I talk about in my Launch Your Damn Course Accelerate. You know, these are the ways it's outreach, outreach, outreach relationship building. And it is a longer term method, but I think it's a much more valuable, powerful one. Because as you said, you know the exact audience you're getting in front of. They've already done the hard work of building it. You then get to turn up, show up with your goods and your genius, wow them, woo them, and instantly attract them back. And I think that's just such an underrated skill to have. And because it does take you reaching out, doing the pitching, being really intentional, offering up a great freebie, as you said, and really showing up with a lot of value. But I love that you did that. And so can I just sort of ask, did your list go from zero to a couple of thousand over the space of six months to a year or with that bundle that you did, which is really smart, by the way, I've seen a lot of those do really well. Did it kind of go more like up to 5,000, 10,000, just to give people an idea of numbers? Sure. So like non-bundle list growth, I would say it went from about a couple hundred to about, it seemed like 3000 was just where I was forever, but I was actually making a lot of money because again, knowing your skill set, conversion was never my issue. So like out of those 3000 people, like honestly, at least 45%, if not higher had paid me to be there. So that wasn't necessarily an issue. So whether it was smaller products or something a little bit bigger, The first time I participated in somebody else's free bundle, I think it was two weeks and I ended up in two weeks with 2000 new subscribers. Now I run them myself and I'll end up with, we had 4,000 for the first one. And that was just for people that signed up for my actual gift, not even just to get into the bundle itself. The last one that we ran, I think it was 5,000 with just under 
4,000 that had signed up for my gift versus signing up for the free bundle. I literally just finished being in somebody else's free bundle and we got a thousand people for free for a week. Amazing. (laughs) And here's the thing about the free bundle. You would think like, oh, they're signing up for all these free things. Like they're never going to buy. They won't stick around. You would be surprised. Like, yes, those first couple of solo emails that you're going to send for your newsletter, you might have a slightly higher than normal unsubscribe it happens, but they stick around. Like, I can't even tell you, like we just ran a free bundle myself and it's like, I made $10,000 between tripwire sales and like the most casual mention of affiliate products at the bottom. Beautiful. Like it's banana pants. Yeah. And that is banana pants. Sorry. Just reminds me of the Gwen Stefani song. This shit is bananas. Anyway, yeah. I on. also, cause I want to lose your question. I'm very, very active, I guess, and making sure that my list stays clean. Mm -hmm. Meaning like if you're not opening or interacting with my stuff after about like 90 days, you get the boot. So that's why I'm never like, I don't know. I'm not one of those people that because I have active campaign, you can just set it up in the background. Mm -hmm. So I just have it going up in the background. They get three really strategic emails. And then again, if they open, they reply any of that, they get kicked out and they're fine. But I just always have that going on in the background. So I don't have to wait once a year and like unsubscribe 10,000 people or you know what I mean? Once a quarter and be like, oh no, no, it's always clean. Because on my email list, being on your email list, like it's a privilege for people to get on there. And you were wondering why people get so sad and so scared and so timid when it comes to their email list is because everyone and their mother and cousin is telling them like, this is important. This is your lifeblood. If you don't have one, it's awful. If your number's low, you suck. You're going to be penniless. No, being on your list is a privilege. That is a scarcity mindset. We are abundance only here. People are lucky that they get to be in your energy, that they get to feel your enthusiasm. You will go and find more of those people and everyone else who doesn't want to be there, kick them out because I don't want to pay for them. Get them out. They need to go find their other teacher. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for painting it so clearly because like so many people, when I first started my list, I'd watch the unsubscribes. I'd be like, oh, one person unsubscribed. I'm going to email them and see what I did wrong. And I'm just saying that because I think Mm -hmm. everybody's done it when they first start, especially when your list is tiny, you take everything so personally. And then when you get much bigger, you're like, that's great. Because as you just said, they don't want to be here on the list. You don't want to be emailing somebody who doesn't want to be on your list, who's not Mm -hmm. finding value in it. Their preferences might have changed, their circumstances. If you're in the copywriting email space, they may have gone into a different career and it might not be relevant. So it is one of those things that you just have to not worry about. Obviously, there are some (laughs) metrics that are really important to pay attention to. And I love that you've also talked about the power of even a small list of the right highly engaged subscribers can be very Mm -hmm. profitable for you and a great experience for them. So we can talk about that. But I would love to say, what do you think are the most important metrics for people growing their email list that they should pay attention to? Because there will be some numbers sometimes that you're like, okay, something's not working here. I'm not hitting the mark. For those people listening, what are those metrics that you think are the most important? So I think that it depends on what phase of business that you're at. So like, if you don't have a paid product yet, I can't tell you sales because that would make no sense. Mm -hmm. What you're going to do if you're just starting in like that idea phase, you're sort of, you know, you're working through one of the the freebies that you got your one page business plan here. What you're going to be looking at is the amount of traffic or eyeballs that you're getting to things like your landing pages versus how many people are actually signing up. And so your goal is to get as many people there as you can, whether it's going to be collaboration, whether it's through content, whether it's through ads, you want that conversion number to be up. Because in all honesty, conversion number, regardless of what stage, 
is going to be the thing that's the most important that you're always looking at. Whether it's a nobody to an email subscriber, a subscriber to a buyer, conversion rate is the key. Because once you can dial in on your messaging, once you can dial in on the thing that you're passionate about and how you express yourself and getting out there, all you're going to need to do is add more people because your messaging is dialed in. So conversion rate 100%. But again, you got to look to yourself. Oh, well, I'm only getting like three people to my email list a day. This freebie must be awful. It might be my landing page. If only 10 people a day are seeing it, it's a people problem. You've got to be honest with you. It's your lead generation that's an issue. Now, if a thousand people are seeing that landing page in a day and you're only getting three people, either your freebie is bad, your tech could be bad. So go check that. Occam's razor, everybody. Or the copy is bad. You're not selling the free. And that can be a really big mistake at the beginning. It's like, well, it's a free guide. Everyone and their mother and cousin has a free guide. If your freebie is not passing the Sir Mix-a-Lot principle, it's never going to attract buyers. So Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yes, to say, please explain. Baby Got Back. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are not keen to Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot, he loved big butts and he cannot lie. So does your email list. And so does your wallet. Like, think about it. If you were thinking of starting to get some house plants, you'd be like sitting on the couch and be like, I think I need some plants. And like, you don't want those people on your list. You want people that are actively like semi-passionate about getting things done. So you want those people that are like, you know, I want to have house plants, but they always die. You want people that are in that excuse phase, but I don't have enough sunlight, but I don't know which ones to get. What about the cat? I don't want them to eat them, right? So you're going to make sure that your freebie, instead of it being like this big giant roadmap, which a lot of people have, and no offense to those, they worked for a while. You want to answer something that's really, really specific. And even if you can get the hook or the angle of your roadmap to answer that yeah, but question, it's going to work. So business example, how to get your first 10 clients, even if you're an introvert, because again, most common knowledge is reaching out to your friends, doing live video. And what they're going to see when they see that sort of subtitle of your freebie is, how did Natalie know that that's my problem? (laughs) What's going on? But again, wouldn't have even been their problem if they weren't serious in the first place. And just by having that, yeah, but just by having one freebie that answers a really, really specific problem, like maybe it's what to say on coaching calls. Maybe it's the five meals to feed your picky eaters. Again, this works in every space consumers too. When they think you're reading their mind, because you are, they're going to trust you more. Mm -hmm. So that's like, again, that whole conversion rate piece. So you got to make sure at the beginning, it's all working there. Then we can talk about once we've got some people, if you want. Yeah, I would love to, but I love the Simex a lot. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And that was a great song, by the way. It's a great song. And I also love that you've said, just be so specific and solve one pressing problem for one niche that has it. Mm-hmm. I have hundred percent been super guilty in the past of here's the oh. overarching thing for everybody, which means everybody's like, this is great. You can't really solve my problem because I'm in the specific niche with the specific expertise. And what would you know about that? So I love that you've said that. And then now let's talk about once they're on your list. So you were mm-hmm. just talking about the same thing there. How do we know when we're on the right track? And there's just so many different ways to go about this. I'm sure you have your tried and true methodology. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest things I do hear people is how often, how frequent, what should I include? And obviously, I know this comes back to your overarching. What is your mission? What is it the results that you're trying to get for people? And what are the topics or the topic that you speak to all the time? And how many ways in which can you talk about that in your email again and again and again? Do you find that this is 
something that people just miss? Is this something that you preach as well? Because I think a lot of people think they have to be talking about everything and anything versus repeating really great content until it starts to drive home into people. They start to learn, they start to trust you, they start to buy from you and they start to become your key clients and customers. Again, you have to remember that being on your list is a privilege. Again, they're lucky to be there, but because it's a privilege to be on our list, just like we're going to take care of our nice house. We're going to take care of our nice purse. But like if something costs $5, you're like, yeah, we don't care, whatever. So because they're lucky to be there, you're also lucky to have them. It's two sides of that coin. So you need to have a bit of an action plan. So you remember how your freebies answering a yeah, but it turns out there's more buts. So you're going to go ahead and make sure in that welcome series, if you're going to do welcome series, and we'll talk about the difference between that and the funnel, because I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. You're going to make sure that you're showing them around, that you can answer some of those questions that they get. Might be stuff that you answer all of the time. You have to remember why people go to their inbox. They go to their inbox to procrastinate. They want to be entertained, okay? They do not want to read an encyclopedia. (laughs) So you need to think to yourself, because again, my whole philosophy is treat people like people. We all know Natalie's eyes lit up. She's like, yep, you got me. I should be recording a podcast. Again, and this goes for non-businessy people too. Say that you target moms or you target C-level executives. You know, I should be paying attention to my kids, but their show is boring, but I don't want to fold the laundry, but like TikTok got boring. They're going to their inbox to be entertained. So you need to make sure that your emails, regardless of length, are a little bit entertaining. It can be something as you're going to include a story. It can be a quick tip. So you're not going to tell them like 50 different chicken recipes or like eight different ways to get clients when you've exhausted all of your options. You're going to give them one. And then if you have more, it's, and that's just one of seven we're covering on the podcast today because frame of mind matters. (laughs) I always say this story because it's the truth. When I was in high school, the guy that I was dating, he wasn't paying attention. He had a handout and he was eating M&Ms. So I threw in one of my Skittles and it was a lemon one. And so when he <laughs> threw his mouth and he was like, oh, he was not expecting to have that lemon Skittles. And when he got it, we got in one of the biggest fights of our relationship because he was so pissed because his brain was expecting a sweet chocolate and he got this tart Skittle. Because I feel personally, the worst place you can be in the inbox, obviously like spam's not the best. Promotional tab, people will go in there when they're bored. So that's not even a problem anymore. It's the I'll read you later. We both know later is never going to come, Natalie. And it's the same thing with podcasts. We know that there are amazing podcasts, both of us, that we listen to, but they're so information dense. It's in the someday pile. And now we've got 18 and now we're just like, let's just unsubscribe because of guilt. (laughs) And you don't want that. You want that quick burst of entertainment. And then if their brain is ready for more, you give them more. So that's what you're going for. Have a fun stat, put a gift in there. Tell a story. There's a lot of different ways you can spice up your emails. Again, that quick tip that I understand what it's like scenario. That's all they want. Just a little something there. I love, um, there's quite a few people that I subscribe to that I stay on because they're just, as you said, entertaining. They share value, uh, tips, education, a personal story, and they keep it short and sweet. And one of the shortest and sweetest emails ever, I have unsubscribed from it now, was Neil Patel with his SEO blog. And his would usually be two lines. So want to learn how to do this on SEO over on the blog today, here's the post. And that was it. And I was like, brilliant, because you always knew if you're getting it, you were heading off to a site to read some great content. So for people who think you have to write, as you said, your heartfelt story in every single email, you don't. And again, 
as I'm sure Kate say, it's all about your audience, your niche. Like it does differ per person or per audience as to what people like to read and how much and all those good things. But I love that you've tried to make it not complicated with those ideas just there. Yeah, like send tools, send a quick tip, send a free PDF. Like again, take the intro of your blog post and shove that in there and then be like, read more over here. It does not have to be complicated. You are making it complicated because you are scared. Mm. It is simple when you learn how to treat people like people. They're going there to be entertained. People always want to know about themselves first. So there's no problem with you sharing a story, but you're going to pose it as like, does it feel like you are doing absolutely everything right in your business? Like your fingers are turning blue because you are cranking out those blog posts. Like you wouldn't believe you are praying to those Pinterest gods every single night, but nothing is happening. Look, I remember exactly when I started my business and then you bring them to a really big story about like, it can be like your bottom out story if you want to, or it can just be like, I call it your McDonald's moment. Like for me, it was right after I had launched the first beta of my course. Like I was about ready to throw in the towel. You bring them there. And then my favorite sentence ever which is why in this course, in this blog post, on this webinar, we're going to do this. So we're relating it to them. Now we're adding in sort of our story. So they're connecting with us and then we're giving them what we want them to do. That's super entertaining. And it's a really great flow. Mm. The art of storytelling cannot be denied. It is so important. But as you just said, always about what's in it for them. So it's lovely if you tell your own story, but you've got to make it relatable and they can see themselves in it. And then, as you said, take action, not procrastinate their inbox anymore because your emails landed, they've read it, and they're like, okay, Natalie, okay, it has inspired me. I'm off to do this thing, which is really, really cool. And it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out story. Like, it's just if you can relate it to anything else or, like, why did you decide to host this summit or, hey, guys, it's National Taco Day, so let's celebrate together with a 15% off coupon to the course or something. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to use heartfelt stories and think, like, oh, every email. No, you want to know what that fun part was? It was taco day. I love <laughs> They're that. excited. Taco day gives you 15% off of course. So relatable. Right. I love it. So linked. Right? Let's do like, it. Yeah. Make it be fun in there. Now they're going to tell their friends, do y'all know that it was national taco day? So it's not like you're sharing taco recipes. It's not like you're talking down at the border. You're just having fun. You didn't have to bleed on your page. It's just, hey, let's celebrate together. Maybe you have a picture of you eating a taco and then just have fun. Yeah, I love that. A next question for you that I know people will be asking, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this lady's awesome. She is entertaining. I love it. I'm obviously going to go read her emails. The famous question I get so much is how often should I be emailing? And I have my thoughts on this, but I'm going to pass this one over to you because I've shared my thoughts on this quite a lot. With the trends of what you've seen, you've been in this game for quite a while. You probably have your finger on the pulse of everything that's working. So do you want to share some wisdom on this? Or is this one of those, it depends answers? All right. The only reason why I say that it depends is if you are like the Natalie Sisson of your industry or the Oprah of your industry, you could get away with only say emailing your list once a month because you have that famous and clout and people are just like fan club girling you and they're probably following you on Instagram or they're listening to the podcast. So you're staying top of mind. If you are like my audience where you tend to be one of the little guys, you got to stay top of mind. So I like everybody to shoot for, again, after a welcome series or a funnel to shoot for once a week. If you look at it, it's four emails most of the time a month. At bare minimum, you're looking for twice a month. So it's every other week, but really, really try 
for once a week. And again, you can spice it up. One week, maybe it's a blog post. The next week, you're going to send a quick tip. Maybe you're just going to send them a sentence and be like, hey, how's everything going with your coaching program, clients, going keto? Like, again, you're not going to make this this hard because it's not this end all be all. It's just making them feel amazing. That's all you're doing, whether they're not alone, whether they bought a cool tip, whether just like Natalie is the coolest person ever. So of course I'm going to go get whatever plant she has because she's the coolest. It's okay. But for most people, most of us once a week, here's a giant shocker. If you miss a week, just do the next week. It's okay. <laughs> like, I think that's what people are like. They kind of have almost that diet mentality of like, oh, well, I already messed up today. So I might as well eat whatever. And oh, I messed up yesterday. So I might as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like again, day three, week two. No, just go. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to email on Wednesdays and it's Friday. Who cares? Just email them on Friday. It's okay. Yeah. And I know that if you're following Natalie, this is true. If you are disproportionately passionate about helping your people, it does not matter what day of the week it is you're going to go and get it done. Yeah. I love that. I also think probably your audience is way bigger than mine now. So as much as I loved your compliments, I'd say it's probably in your realm. And I also will say from experience, when I used to write a once a month newsletter, because I didn't want to piss people off too much, the minute I went to weekly and even more, it was actually easier to write. So for those people listening, going, oh my God, one 100%. so hard. One is actually harder than regular mm-hmm. writing. That's a um, lot of pressure on a couple yeah, sentences. Yeah, because you think it has, to, exactly, you think it has to be the best newsletter out there. Maybe it does. But the point is actually writing more regularly gets you in the flow of it. And as we all know, you can batch content, which brings me back to the welcome email series versus the Mm -hmm. funnel. Love welcome email series. Maybe you can just share your thoughts on what that means to you and why it's so important. It's so important because treat people like people. There may be a point where Natalie or Kate misses a week. Natalie is currently growing livers and eyeballs. She might not feel so good. She might have to skip a week. So we want to make sure, especially our new subscribers, no offense to the old ones, but they'll give us a little bit of slack. We want to make sure that we are rolling out the red carpet for our new subscribers so they know that we care about them, that we get them, and we're selling the fact that we are going to be there for them. So anyone who tells you like, oh, I don't want to send sales emails. Every email you send is a sales email. You're again, selling the fact you get them. You're going to be there. You're going to show up that your stuff is good, that you know what you talk about, that they can do it. That is really huge. And I know like, yes, if you're selling say printables on Etsy, you don't need to prove to them that they can print something out and put it on their wall, but that they're the type of person that has style and flair, right? So we're going to do that. So that's why welcome series is really important because again, being on your list is a privilege. So you're going to map out a journey. When it is a welcome series, it's more like, you're having a party. So it's your inbox party, as we call it. And you're kind of showing people around your digital house. So it's like, you know, here's the bathroom, here's the chips, here's the cat in case you want to hang out with it. Here's some cool people. And like, here's like DDR. Cause that's like the main attraction, right? So the equivalent of that would be like maybe some of your great blog posts. I call them easy yes offers, but usually like smaller digital products. You might talk about once or twice, you know, under a hundred dollars, they don't need a whole sequence about them, right? That's what your welcome series is. And then when it's over, when you take them through it, maybe you talk about some affiliate stuff, then you're like, all right, it's like starting next week, your action taker series, you can name it, right? Something fun is all over. So you're going to be hearing from me about once or twice a week, again, whatever your current send schedule is. So that way you don't lose steam. Again, we're treating people like people and we're telling them, I know that you want X, so I'm going to make sure that we keep going. That's a welcome series. A funnel is really, really different. So a funnel 
you want to definitely make sure that your freebie correlates with the product that you're going to be selling, like the 10K membership, right? So you're going to think to yourself before you write this funnel, what is standing in the way of somebody joining the 10K club? And what is standing in their way of thinking that they're the type of person, this is key, that can make 10K a month? Because that's truly what it is. Like all sales really breaks down to is do they trust that your product can get them there? Do they trust them that you can get them there? And most importantly, do they trust themselves to get there? So you're going to, when you're laying this out, when you're laying out, again, whether it's an auto webinar, whether it's just a one-off freebie that you're still going to have funneling towards your bigger product that you're looking for, it's, all right, what's that first yeah but that I can help them solve? I always say a juicy but. Again, I'm not the teacher for everyone, but... People that love to giggle. I'm like, I know Natalie can handle it. I read her book. They're swearing. So like if they can handle like the juicy butt at the beginning, right? It's like, okay. So I might have in my funnel, if it's just say like a one-off freebie, as I call them, like say a PDF, the next thing might, you know, be a quick tip. But then it's like, you're starting to like, you're starting to get the results. And then you're thinking to yourself, what objections do people have? Oh, you know, I want to start a business, but like none of my friends and family are going to support me in this? Or like, what do I do? And when you sit down to like list out all of these butts that people are going to have, you're going to find that you can get really, really deep, but you have to get to those surface level stuff first. Like I don't have the thing. I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't have this. And then it's like, what are almost those identity shifting questions? Like for my people, they are almost afraid of success a little bit of them. Because like they know that they want to make money online, but they're afraid of turning into like that big guy that's like untouchable or they're afraid that people are going to think this about them. So it's proving to them like, no, like you're still an amazing person. You do deserve to have this. And again, with higher level stuff, you're going to need more emails to do that. And so that's really the difference of the funnel. Again, in that house analogy, you're thinking to yourself, why wouldn't somebody want to do DDR? Oh, well, I don't have rhythm. So now you're going to show them examples of people that didn't think that they had rhythm, but now they do. Or you're going to give them a story about how you overcome your no rhythm. Oh, I don't want to look stupid. You're going to have an email towards the end about, look, you know what? The world's around you. It might think that you're stupid, but here's the thing. You're actually doing it. You have the nerve to get up and dance when all those other people are sitting on the couch. So you need to pat yourself on the back. So now they're like, yeah, I'm at least getting out there and dancing. And then I might just be like, well, like, I don't know like what song to pick or something. So like, that's what you're doing when you're doing a funnel. It's really thinking about what do you need to prove to the right people that they need to have. Mm-hmm. And you also need to realize in your funnel, as you had already talked about, Natalie, it's not going to be for everybody. And I think especially towards the end, whether it's an automated funnel or whether it's a live launch, I think you just need to be honest with people. And I've actually had people buy because I told them not to. (laughs) And I was like, I don't think this is for you because I'm telling you like, you're not at this stage yet. So I'm going to tell you right now, like you got to buckle up because your first 90 days, it's going to be tricky. I'm not saying that you can't, but like, this isn't probably for you. And then they're like, I'm taking the challenge or like other people. So in the copywriting world, we call it make the skeleton dance. Make it, especially if you're in the B2B space, those last couple of emails, make that skeleton dance. Talk about pitfalls of the program, somebody that shouldn't do it. Talk about why your stuff is different. Turn those disadvantages into the advantage. I love and then it. they'll be like, they thought of everything. Like the skeleton like, I don't sell things. People just buy for me. Mm. They buy for me because I'm very specific 
I'm not just like build the business of your dreams. It's yeah. back when we could go to stores, slap your debit card at Whole Foods and don't blink an eye when you have all your organic raspberries and grass-fed beef. They're like, oh, it is send out an email and get PayPal notifications before your coffee gets cold. It's being very specific when you're selling with your examples and don't be generic because generic comes off as that you don't care about me and you're just like everybody else. Yeah. And nobody stands out in a sea of sameness. I love it. One thing, DDR for people who don't know what that was, because I think I know what it is now, but (laughs) you just mind spelling out the acronym. (laughs) It's Dance Dance Revolution. So I'm showing my age here. It's really, really big in the States. And I want to say like the 2000s, 2003. So then now it's just dance, but like DDR was like the arrows. And so you had to like step in the arrow, front arrow, side arrow, back arrow, all of that sort of stuff. Yes. So that's, that. that's what your program is. Okay. Perfect. That one. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure because people might be like, what the heck is she talking about? People come to your house for DDR. What is this? So love it. And I do love watching people do that. It's so funny. Especially when the people have rhythm, it's amazing. When they're not, they're just like standing on an arrow. Anyway, I digress. I love this conversation. Okay, well, a little cash, a little more cash. Whereas the funnel is like, this is where we're going, everybody. Yeah. And I love the good old welcome series. I also used to love, you may still get mm-hmm. this, but when I first started back with a suitcase entrepreneur, I used to say, please hit reply and introduce yourself. I'd love to know about you after my mm-hmm. little intro. And people used to do that. I loved it. And they tell me their life stories. You know, some would be like, I'm just testing to see if you'll really reply. And others would just tell you this beautiful <laughs> story. Yeah. And it's not as common anymore, which I find a little bit sad just because, as you said, people go to their inbox of procrastination. They probably don't believe you're really at the end of it. Maybe my welcome email series needs some judging, probably. But I do think it's really important because it does allow people in those few emails to go, oh, actually, I'm 100% in the right place or I'm not unsubscribe, which is great because, as you said, you don't want to be paying for people on your list who shouldn't be there. One quick question for listeners that they probably have is, Kate, when do you transition them into the regular emails, which you talked about how you do that? So you have a series of maybe two, three, four, five emails to welcome them in. I guess that actually what I was trying to get at is how do you separate out, depending on your email software, not bombarding them with so many emails in the first week? Because I see a lot of mistakes that people do, and I've done it myself. They're going through a welcome series and they're also getting your other newsletters and then they're overwhelmed and they leave. So I guess what Mm -hmm. you're saying here is be smart about that. And if you have tagging within your email provider or a system that they shouldn't receive any of those other emails until they've been officially welcomed in, would you say that is good advice? Mm-hmm. Especially in a funnel, but also in a welcome series, you want to make sure pretty much every email service writer, maybe not free MailChimp. I don't really know. I don't pay attention to free MailChimp. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. But you should be able to tag somebody. And it can be really, really simple where if they're in your welcome series, it just says like in series. Same thing with if they were in a funnel, you can just use that tag always in series, in series. It doesn't matter which series, guys. And then when they're done, you can have your email service provider say, like, take away that tag. So that way you can email them. Yeah. Now say that you have something that you rarely have going on. And like, you know, it's a really big deal in your business. Like say that you are running that flash sale or like, it's just like, it's an important thing. Then you're going to send an email to the normal subscribers that would actually be able to get it right. Then you can send a separate email to the people that have that tag in series. And you're literally going to start it off with, so this might not be the email that you're expecting for me, or it could be the second time we've talked. And then you're going to explain to them, But, or you can say, however, however, I know, and this is why we're not talking about us yet. 
Again, the thing that they're looking for, you are so focused and determined to make keto work for your life. I felt like kind of a jerk, not letting you know that for the next 24 hours, I've got my program and it's going to be 30% off. Now you're not going to get a million sales emails about this. And you probably won't get my FAQ. So if you're interested, definitely hit reply back and I'll let you know more about it. But like, here's the link if you need to check it out for yourself. And so that way, all of a sudden, yes, you're running your flash sale, but again, it's just an extra sentence. You're just treating people like people. Yeah, I love it. And look at how naturally that rolls off your tongue. I'm sure people go, oh man, I wish I'd done the training that Kate's done because she's just a genius at this. But you make it sound easy. (laughs) The thing is you've done the work on it and it can be as natural as that conversation. It's like you're sitting across from somebody at the cafe. Oh, I just meant to say, look, I know we've only just met recently, but I would love for you to come along to this party that I'm throwing on Saturday because I just think you'd love the friends that are going to be there. We're going to be doing this. It's literally as natural as you would speak to people you've met or friends that you love. And I don't know why we get into these spaces of trying to sound like somebody else rather than just ourselves and like we're talking to a human. And I always write my emails to one person as if it's my Mm -hmm. ideal avatar. She has a name and I write it to her, not to everybody. I dislike emails. They're like, hey, everybody, because already I know (laughs) I'm part of a mass audience. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure you'd probably take a similar stance, right? Like obviously each person is unique. But that's why... Yeah. Right. Treat people like people. And that's why I hate when people ask me the question, well, how many subscribers do I need to have on my list before I start emailing them? The answer is one and it's yourself. Yeah. The reason being person number two has no idea if they're one of two or if they're one of 10,000 or one of a hundred thousand, wouldn't you rather practice your emailing skills, your writing skills, you're getting comfortable with weaving in fun facts and sales messages when there's only 10 people watching, then instead of a stage of 25,000, of course, some of the time you get to 25,000, you're just an old hat at this thing and you're rattling them off as fast as I am. Agreed. Love it. Love that you said that. And your sister and your mother, of course, because they're always on that list or your <laughs> brother and your dog and your goat. To finish off, because I know we could talk about so many more things, but I would just love to touch on the freebie versus the paid opt-in, because as I mentioned right at the beginning of this interview, I do see a trend towards people starting to go, you know what, I want to get people in my audience, in my custom base from the get-go who are willing to put a little bit down, even if it's $7, so that you are weeding out the, what is it, the wheat from the chaff. I got that analogy wrong. What is your stance on this? Because I think that's important after somebody who has given so much value for free for years, I also know the (laughs) <laughs> the how easy it is to build a list of freeloaders and tire kickers who will never purchase from you, who will just take all that free stuff and never have any intention. So what's your thoughts on the free versus paid? Why does it have to be an or? I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm an abundance person. I'm just like everything in my world's an and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I don't see why this has to be an issue. I think that we call them easiest offers. So they're low price offers. Sometimes we'll have them on your thank you page. Sometimes they'll just be things on your site or it's that paid product that we're telling them about in your welcome series. It's not necessarily your big signature thing. I think you can have that everywhere. I will say at the time of this recording, most people will call them like tiny product funnels or things like that. Most of those people are relying so heavily on ads and Facebook ads, especially with iOS, their costs are just going to go up. And I'm not here to fear mongreler. Like this is like, I won't say the person because I mean, there's one Facebook expert that I follow. She owns an agency. And even she said, the only way to make money with those now is to have a huge back end. So I feel that most people who are just like, 
oh, I just want to grow my list with that. Okay, you've got a $7 product, but is it costing you $12 to get those people? Or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure, regardless of what route you get, because I'm all about testing. Like if you've got a really great $7 offer, like go see if it works. Why not? Make sure you're, again, you're looking at your traffic, you're looking at the conversion numbers, that sort of a thing. But again, your freebie is only going to let on people who are thinking of excuses. So I'm not saying everyone's going to buy, but they're going to be more primed to buy. And when you have either that small offer or even a bigger one, you're going to make sure that that small offer or the bigger one doesn't cannibalize what your freebie is about. One of the biggest mistakes that I see with people with freebies is that like, besides being too general, it'll be something like triple your traffic from Pinterest. And then their small offer or their course is a giant Pinterest course about driving Pinterest traffic. Treat people like people. You just told me that everything I needed to learn was in this free PDF. That makes no sense. So you need to prove to me what's that next step. So a next small offer that can be on your thank you page or later on down the line is like we talked about in your freebie, you're going to need graphics. Here are 50 done for you Pinterest graphics that have gotten our clients the best click through rate. They're going to buy that because that Mm -hmm. solves that problem. So those are my personal thoughts. I would love to hear about yours, what you think as well, but I say both. Why not? Yeah. I love that you said that. And I've still got both. In fact, right now I've still got the majority is free because I know my free stuff is really, really good, but being smarter on my funnel about the upsell, the bump offer, the tiny offer, the thank you page invite, where I do feel people leave a lot of money on the table because right at that moment where they're signing up for your template, your checklist, your audio, your free Mm -hmm. training, if, as you've just said, you've got this perfectly valuable, 100% complimentary problem-solving offer, it's a great time to put it in front of them and not be afraid of it's too soon, we've only just met. Because you're doing it in a really good way. You're doing it in a way that makes sense. They're already interested. You're doing them a disservice by not sharing that with them. So yeah, I'm like you. I love testing. This is something that I want to define. I'm reducing the number of things I have, being way more specific, as you pointed out, heaps in this interview and it's made me think about oh this one should probably go I can probably release this one I can get way more specific on this so that I'm attracting the right beautiful queens into my world and can help them with the specific things that I know I do really well just like you right because again why not like (laughs) that's my whole thing why not the issue is usually like you said is that freebie really going to attract buyers. And I'm really glad that you brought up thank you pages because that's the other hill that I like to die on, so to speak. That is the most important page that you have out of your entire funnel and out of your entire email marketing, which is why we have a whole section in my course about it. And everyone's like, is this overkill? Maybe in the next iteration, we'll make it it's not its own, but I'm pretty sure we'll keep it its own. I cannot guarantee that they're going to go to your inbox. I cannot guarantee that they're going to open anything in your welcome series. The only thing I can guarantee from the second they gave you their email address, unless their internet dies, is they're going to see that thank you page. So you need to make sure it is useful. If you're doing a double opt-in where they have to confirm the email address, then honestly, you shouldn't be selling on your thank you page because people are going to get distracted. Goldfish people. You got to get them to their inbox but you got to sell the free. Why do they need to get there? Whoa there. And you can just like, Oh, there, I know you're serious about actually losing weight on keto. So you've got to go to the inbox right now to grab this because we both don't want you binge eating tonight. Right. And that's like, Oh my God, it's going to go to my inbox. If you're going to sell on your thank you page, because like I have single opt-in, I think Natalie, you do single too, right? If we're going to sell on our thank you page. Yeah. 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 
you're going to sell on your thank you page, then again, it needs to be the next logical step. So like I have spoiler alert, everyone. So I have email prompts, right? That's our freebie on that. Thank you page. That's if you don't know what to actually write after getting these prompts, look, I've got this template set, right? Where you're write it out. We've got some great results. There's examples. So it makes sense. And you're calling that out in what I call like the turn language. So again, you tell them like your freebie is coming, but, and then you have a really specific example, not like your freebie is coming one time offer for new subscribers. That is gross. You're putting yourself first. Everyone hates you. Your conversion rate is 0.5. You go ahead and you do, but (laughs) if your socks don't match and you can never find your keys, but you're trying to be a business owner, keep reading. And then it's like, oh, and then you're selling like, you know, your course about something else or like in our case. But if you'd rather actually stand in line at the DMV with Taco Bell tummy than actually have to write these emails, keep reading. And that's like, how did she know? And then again, we talk about their problems and that's a sales page. And this is why the thank you pages for myself and for my students convert so much higher than everybody else. Yeah. Because I'm not pushing the discount. I'm pushing the solution and you happen to get rewarded if you're an action taker yeah. with a discount. Thank you so much for bringing that up because it is so underrated, as I've mentioned this, and it is so easy to set up and never have them go to the, thank you, please check your inbox. It's oh my God, that's the worst one ever. Oh God, or like uh, email confirmed when they're like yes. lead pages people, but they just, yeah. oh God, no. And it just oh. hangs there and it's like, oh, I'm going to check out Convicted now. This has been such a blast. I'm so bummed that I have to go to another interview, but where can people find out more about your genius and your entertaining style? And I'm sure it'll be around having a killer email list that they totally fall in love with. What is the best way to get in touch with you? And thank you. Thank you so much. So wherever you're listening to this, you can search for Inbox Besties. That's my podcast. We talk all things, email marketing, sales psychology, money mindset. Like I said, I can tell you to blue in the face, like you need to write this, but if I can't get you to hit send, it means nothing and both of us wasted our time. So we take the whole person into account. If you want to take a snoop and see what we're talking about for that two years worth of email ideas and what happens afterwards, you can head on over to katedoster.com forward slash untapped. And that will get you my two years worth of email idea prompts. And we have them mapped out by month. And if you're like, but Kate, I'm listening to this in September. I missed the first half of the year. January comes back again. So you're fine. Start over. So that's the best place. And it. I'm just starting more Instagram. So oh, Kate cool. underscore Doster is where you guys can perfect. find me. But we the podcast also... and untapped works. Box besties. I love it. We will also tag you on Instagram. So um, we'll put a little teaser up there in case people don't get this. This has been such a blast. I know we could talk for hours. We'll likely have you back on the show. Thank you so much for your generosity and Thank sharing you. so much goodness. I can see why people love you and love their list as a result <laughs> of working with you. And if you've loved this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, who are struggling with their email list building and show them how simple and easy it can be. Thank you so much, Kate. Hi. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please do say hi to Kate underscore Doster on Instagram. Tag her and I in it. If you're listening, you can take a screenshot of where you're listening to the episode or even the episode on your podcast app and just tag us both and say what you loved about it. Also, don't forget to check out Kate's podcast herself, katedoster.com forward slash podcast. And I would 100% love for you to rate and review Untapped Podcast if you're getting a lot out of it. If you truly see value in this every single week, it means the world for me for you to just leave a quick review and let other people know 
about why they should listen in. And another really easy way to spread the love is just to share this particular episode, which is 120, with a friend. So just say, hey, head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and check it out because you are going to love it. While I'm at it, I have to say that if you are looking for a fantastic email provider, maybe you're with one right now, doesn't really float your boat. My absolute favorite email provider of all time, which I have been using for five years now, and it continues to blow my mind, not only with their customer support, but their functionality and their features is ConvertKit. And I'm going to be sharing more about some of the tools that I love in future episodes. But if you want to check them out, ConvertKit finally got a free plan that allows you to build out beautiful landing pages and opt-in forms, as well as build your list for free. And you can head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash ConvertKit to check them out. They are especially great for content creators, course creators, creators in general, and I just think you're going to love the interface and some of the advanced segmentation and tagging, but they do it in a way that is just easy to get. So nataliesisson.com forward slash ConvertKit. I love them. I hope you love them. That is an affiliate link. I will get a small commission if you sign up, but honestly, I just recommend this tool all the time to anybody regardless because I have tested so many email providers over the years and these guys are my fave hands down. Have an amazing day. Continue to tap into your potential and remember that you are amazing.